0: Does the Bible teach a one world government is coming? Do we need to be afraid of this power? In Revelation, God calls his people to come out of Babylon. And what does this mean? Are you prepared for what is to come? I'll share these answers next. Remember to subscribe and click the notification bell so you can watch every upcoming video. My name is Kami Ootman. Unlocking Bible prophecies begins now.
1: Chaos is increasing worldwide. There were reports of an active shooter. Divides on politics and a worldwide pandemic are sweeping our globe. It feels like the end of the world. Are we headed into a new world order? What will happen next? Join international speaker Cami Utman on a journey to unlock Bible truth and uncover key answers to your Bible questions. In Cami's travels around the world, she has documented incredible miracles while facing life and death situations. Join us for unlocking Bible Prophecies 2.0, which will demonstrate how God has given us guidelines to successfully navigate through what lies ahead. Together we will see how Bible prophecy is being fulfilled faster than ever before and how we can have hope for the future.
0: Welcome back to Unlocking Bible Prophecies. I pray these programs are a blessing to you and that you have a clearer sense of God's plan in your life. Remember, you can find all previous episodes at awr.org slash Bible. Our goal is to provide you with resources to continue your spiritual growth. We have online Bible instructors available right now if you have any questions. Also, if you would like us to pray for any needs that you may have, Click below to connect with us. Isn't God amazing? Yesterday we learned that we do not need to fear the mark of the beast and most certainly do not need to receive it. In fact, God is preparing his people right now through the Holy Spirit so we are ready to face the end days. You can receive his seal through a Holy Spirit-inspired prayerful obedience to him. Today, we will continue to focus our attention on end-time events and see an amazing prophecy unfold. God, through the Apostle John in the book of Revelation, predicted a time in our future where church and state will reunite once again. Has that already begun? Are we about to enter that time? Stay with me for the answers to these very important questions. Let's pray now and begin our study, The Harlot. Heavenly Father, Lord, empty me of self and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Anoint my lips with only your words. And may I be your vessel right now to clearly give a message, Lord, that is so important for our generation. Be with me now, Lord, and, and speak through me. In Jesus' precious name, amen. A pastor in Tanzania encouraged his members to use a Christian radio program as a witnessing tool to share the messages with their friends and family. Mama Miembe took this to heart and began carrying her little radio with her wherever she went. Now Mama Miembe had a garden, located by the town's bar. Daily as she tended to her plants and vegetables, she sat down her radio and turned the volume up. Inside the nearby bar, the owner began to listen and take interest. He became so intrigued with what he heard coming from the radio in the garden, He decided to find the channel on his own radio so he could hear it better. While serving his customers, he listened intently to sermons like Unlocking Bible Prophecies. Soon he was not the only one listening. The drunkards who daily came by started to listen and ask questions. Finally, they all agreed to meet together and listen to the radio instead of drinking. The owner and his customers met in the bar with their Bibles and radio. As the Adventist World Radio program presented Bible-based messages, the men discovered precious truths they had never heard before. At the end of the 20-day series, the owner decided to give his life to Jesus and was baptized along with 20 of his customers. It was a joyous day. After their baptism, this new little congregation decided to change the bar into a place of worship instead. They meet together every Sabbath to sing praises and study the Bible together. Mama Miembe often joins them with a heart full of joy for what God was able to do through her. Is this not an amazing testimony to the power of the gospel? A place of frivolity and drunkenness is now a place of praise and worship to our Creator. These men heard the truth, confirmed it in their Bible, and committed to following it. It can be that easy. The book of Revelation describes two systems of religion. It depicts two ways of worship. Revelation presents us with one of two choices. It really does not leave us any middle ground you can no longer remain neutral. It presents a strong appeal to men and women in the last days of earth's history. Jesus makes an urgent call to commitment. This appeal can be summarized in the symbolism of the two women in Revelation. The woman in white is described in Revelation 12. In prophecy, a pure woman symbolizes the the bride of Jesus or the true church. In Jeremiah 6, 2, the prophet says, I have likened the daughter of Zion to a lovely and delicate woman. The daughter of Zion is a term portraying God's people. Here God compares His church to a beautiful, pure woman. In Ephesians chapter 5, Jesus is a faithful husband to His church, the bride. In Revelation 12, there is a striking symbol of a woman dressed in white, She is faithful to her true lover, Jesus. She's undefiled with the corruption of false doctrine. She is described as Christ's bride, or his church on earth. In Revelation 17, another woman arises. This woman rides upon a scarlet colored beast. The Bible calls her a harlot woman. She has left her true lover, Jesus, and this harlot is the apostate system of religion. Tonight, we will look especially at this harlot. As we study this subject together, we will see how crucial our theme is. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it disagrees with the Bible, then it's not for me. Even if the whole world follows fables and human dogmas, we need to stand on God's word. And if none go with me, I still will follow. The New Testament church, God's true church, radiates purity and holiness because Jesus is predominant in her life. Her affections and heart are fixed on him. Her love can be given to no other. She will never betray him as he is her everything. She is the faithful bride of Christ. But this beautiful picture changes. Another woman saunters onto the scene in direct contrast to the pure woman in white. Revelation 17 one says, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me saying, come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Here's a picture, not of the true church, but of the fallen church. The harlot has walked away from her true lover, Jesus. What does it mean she sits on many waters? The Bible interprets itself in Revelation seventeen fifteen. The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. Well, what is fornication? It is an illicit adulterous union. In the fallen church system, the church is united with the state. In the true church system, the church is united with Jesus. The fallen church looks to the kings and the political leaders of the earth for power. And when the church leaves its true lover, Christ, it instead has to look for power from a secular source as it is no longer connected to Jesus. This church looks for power from the kings of the earth or the state authorities. This adulterous woman catches the attention of the masses. She knows how to seduce new lovers draped in her purple and scarlet red, dripping in jewels and sitting upon a scarlet colored beast. This fallen church gets her power from the state as she influences the governing bodies to support her false teachings. She passes around her wine cup of false doctrine. This world becomes intoxicated with error Millions drink of the wine of Babylon and are deceived. Revelation 17, verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. This false system of religion is in opposition to God. This is Satan's counterfeit. God is painting a vivid picture of warning when he assigns kings and kingdoms to beasts in prophecy. He's saying, heads up everybody, pay attention. These beasts fall into the harlot's traps from which she then derives her power to influence kings and govern laws for her own agenda and corruption. The harlot binds an illicit union between church and state. On page 593 of the Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown Commentary, uh, Volume 4, Philippians to Revelation, these Protestant authors make a remarkable statement on Revelation 17. State and church are precious gifts of God, but the state being desecrated becomes beast-like. The church apostatizing becomes the harlot. Revelation 17, four says the woman or fallen church was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. Let's think about this. Do you know of a religious system whose priests wear purple and scarlet? Yes. Frequently, cardinals wear scarlet and these priests wear red on Good Friday and Palm Sunday, Pentecost, and purple on Advent, Lent, and at funerals. The official clothing worn by the Pope is richer in gold and jewelry than any earthly crown. The papal's tiara's value is beyond comprehension. Riches are lavished on the icons of Catholicism. Golds, pearls, and precious stones deck the statues of saints and Catholic buildings worldwide. Now, I'd like to pause right here. It is important for me to personally tell you that the topic we are talking about tonight is a sensitive one, and the information shared is not intended to accuse individuals but show prophecy fulfilling. I believe there are many sincere seekers of truth in every walk of life, and when truth is revealed, they follow it. The information quoted here is directed only towards the system of Roman Catholicism that has a number of doctrines which we will see clearly go against Scripture. I believe you are here with me because you seek truth, no matter how difficult it is to hear, friend. Now, continuing in verse 4, Having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication, in other words, in the hand of this fallen system of religion, whose colors are purple and scarlet, there is a golden wine cup and all the world drinks and becomes confused and intoxicated by these false doctrines. Revelation 17:5 says, and on her forehead, a name was written, mystery, Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Okay, so the Bible says she's a harlot as well as a mother, which means she must have children. We will see that not only does the Bible identify Roman Catholicism as the mother, but the Catholic system calls themselves the mother of all churches. In September of 2000, the Vatican decreed that the Catholic Church is the quote, mother of all churches, end quote, and banned the term sister churches to describe other denominations as this could harm Vatican efforts towards unity with other believers. Hmm, not sisters, but daughters. Quoting Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, who later became Pope Benedict, he said, quote, it must be always clear that the one holy Catholic and apostolic universal church is not the sister, but the mother of all the churches. End quote. Protestant denominations came out of Catholicism but have retained some of her false doctrines. These are the daughters of the mother church. Friend, no matter what your religion, God is calling you back to his truth. That's all that matters. He is so merciful that he is giving us warning that we are running out of time. God is, ca- is calling people from all around the world in every culture and, and religious sect. And they are responding. Like in India, when I was asked to share a similar message with a congregation of pastors and bishops in a capital city, these prominent church leaders are searching for prophetic truth and currently making important decisions on whether to leave their tradition or to follow their Bibles. And like in Papua New Guinea, now this is just in one province, 64 Sunday pastors and their Families have accepted the Bible Sabbath truth and are now baptized members of the Seventh day Adventist Church. This is not just happening in Papua New Guinea, but in Uganda, Kenya, and the Philippines, across the globe. People are coming out of Babylon right now. God is calling them from the errors that have slipped into the church from paganism. Simply put, paganism is in opposition to God in his ways. God is calling his people to the truth of his word and friends, I believe you want something more than sweet, soothing words that keep you comfortable. Being comfortable makes you vulnerable to the counterfeit. For me personally, my desire to know truth is stronger than wanting to be soothed or pacified. I believe you are studying with me because you too want to see truth directly and simply from the Bible. So let's look together some more. What does the Bible mean when it says, Mystery Babylon the Great? By the first century, literal Babylon, a city that existed in the Old Testament, had already perished. So this is not talking about literal or physical Babylon. This is referring to spiritual Babylon. In other words, a religious system that would depart from the pure teaching of God's word false doctrines would come into the church through the counterfeit religious system called Babylon. Now notice they would be accepted by the church, but not by God. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. What does the word sanctify mean? It means to set them apart. So God says, I'm calling my people from the false doctrines of Babylon to the truth of my word. In the Old Testament, right after the flood, humans devised a plan to outright defy God. A massive structure which became known as the Tower of Babel is mentioned in Genesis 11 verse nine. Therefore, its name is called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. As man built the skyscraper to reach heaven, they were erecting it in defiance to God's promise They did not believe that the earth would never again be destroyed by a flood. They substituted a man-made idea to outsmart God. But you can't outsmart God. Every time man substitutes a counterfeit for God's word, it is because there is a rebellion in their heart. This world is in a perpetual mess because of rebellion, tracing all the way back to Lucifer's fall from heaven. Lucifer, and now Satan, rebelled against God's government of love. In a brilliant strategic move, God confused their languages at the Tower of Babel. People could no longer communicate. They were unable to understand each other, so the work stopped. I find this super interesting and so symbolic. Later, the city of Babylon was built on the very site of the Tower of Babel. Now, the word Babylon comes from babel, babel, means confusion. Babbling is to make speech sounds that do not make sense to the hearer, to talk foolishly or too much, to mutter or mumble meaningless confusion of words and sounds. Friends, I'd like to point out here something else very interesting related to this babbling. Serious instruction is given by Jesus in Matthew 6, 7. When you pray, do not use vain repetitions like mantras or babbling like heathen pagans do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. So in the matters of religion, when a church accepts man's ideas, rather than God's instruction, it becomes muddled and confusing. It becomes man's confusing ideas, babbling man's tradition. And when a church babbles in confusion, it loses all of its God-given power. In contrast, when a church clearly preaches God's straight, simple truth, it is not babbling, it is proclaiming. And there is a huge difference between proclaiming truth and babbling tradition. The Bible says in Daniel 4.30, the king spoke saying, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? Spiritual Babylon represents a man-made religion established by men, based on human teachings, established on human ideas. There is a form of man-made religion that is built by clever, brilliant human religious leaders that stands in opposition to the power of the gospel and the true church that Jesus built. Jesus is calling us from all human systems of worship. He is directing us back to the Bible, back to being loyal to scripture. He's steering us to faithfulness to his word. The church of Jesus is not a man-made institution because it was built by Jesus himself. In Colossians 1 18, it says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning that in all things he may have the preeminence. Jesus is number one in the true church and maintains preeminence. Christ in heaven is the only head of the church. Earthly Babylon in the Old Testament had an earthly head. When a Babylonian king spoke, it was law. King Nebuchadnezzar sat in his temple on his royal throne and ruled as a god. His commands were supposedly the voice of God. Jesus is warning us to look out for a system that would rise called spiritual Babylon who would have a spiritual leader claiming to speak as God. A mere mortal claims to speak in the place of God. Spiritual Babylon would have a leader who professes that his word has the authority and power when speaking from his throne as if he's the very God of heaven. The first identifying feature of spiritual Babylon is that it has an earthly head who speaks for God in place of God. 2 Thessalonians 2, 4, he who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Isaiah 37, 16, "O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you alone. Now truly, this is the ultimate act of blasphemy, to sit yourself enthroned between two golden cherubim dressed in white linen like God. Even in the time of the apostles, Paul saw errors creeping into the church that would prepare the way for the development of the papacy heathen customs found their way into the church and stayed. The Apostle Paul warns his brethren that for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work in 2 Thessalonians 2.7. But there is a second thing about this Babylonian system of religion. Babylon was a center of image worship through all of the Old Testament. To have a deeper understanding of Revelation 17's Mystery Babylon the Great, let's gather insight from Old Testament Babylon. Image worship thrived in Babylon, whereas Christ invites us to come directly to Him, directly. We do not need anything between us. No, like images, priests, or saints. There is no need to come to Jesus through intercessors. He loves you so much that He wants you close to Him. Nothing needs to come in between you and your Savior. Exodus 20, verses four and five. God says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Did you hear that? Jesus says, do not use images in your worship service, period. Babylon used images prolifically, and many of those images found their way from paganism to Rome, and then creeped into the Christian church. Church fathers and leaders deemed these images as sacred and holy. Theodore Maynard, a Catholic historian in his book, The Story of American Catholicism, Says, Catholicism is overlaid with many pagan incrustations. Catholicism is ready to accept that accusation and even to make it her boast. The great God Pan is not really dead, he is baptized. End quote. The Bible clearly repeats there is only one mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus. Your salvation, your way to eternal life is only through him, not his mother or any of his apostles. Jesus proclaims in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And for unless you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. John eight twenty four. The Apostle Peter echoed these words, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Acts 4, twelve. Millions of Christians revere so-called images as objects of worship. This is a counterfeit, distracting you away from the only one that can save you. This is one of Satan's deceptions to cloud human minds from the truth of God's word, The third important characteristic we need to know about Old Testament Babylon is that it was the center of false teachings about death. It taught the counterfeit about what happens to you when you die. This is where you get the pagan doctrine of the immortality of the soul, the false idea that the dead live on, the lie that when you die, there is an immortal soul that continues eternally. This does not come from Christianity and definitely not from the Bible. Ezekiel 8:13 and 14, and God said to Ezekiel, "Turn again, and you will see greater abominations, meaning detestable actions, that they are doing." So he, God, brought me to the door of the north gate of the Lord's house, and to my dismay, women were sitting there weeping for Tammuz. Now who is Tammuz? Tammuz is the pagan god of vegetation. The Babylonians believed that when winter darkened, the sky and there were were long nights, that Tammuz had died. But in the spring, he would resurrect. And some of God's people, the Jews, accepted this false idea from Babylon straight out of paganism. That's why Ezekiel describes them as worshipping Tammuz. They are worshipping the dead. This false doctrine that the dead live on and the soul is immortal slithered into the Old Testament church directly from paganism. Friends, those of you that have been with me each night know what the Bible says about death. Ecclesiastes nine five, for the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing and they have no more reward for the memory of them is forgotten. Satan's first lie to the human race was, you shall not surely die. He schemed, Eve, you are immortal. This ancient lie is still deceiving humans thousands of years later. Immortality of the soul or worshiping the dead, uh, bowing down before images that supposedly represent the dead. All of these are counterfeit ideas that led to the pagan doctrine of bringing offerings for the dead. Let's look at the false doctrine of saints that are supposed to be hovering around. This goes against what we have read together. We studied how the Bible equates death to sleep 50 times in scripture. Since the dead are in their graves, then who are these hovering spirits? They are not dead people. Revelation 16:14 tells us, for they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world. Second Kings twenty three twenty four. moreover the workers with familiar spirits and the wizards and the images and the idols and all the abominations that were spied in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, did Josiah put away that he might perform the words of the law. Also think about this, the teaching of the soul having immortality takes away the power of the second coming of Christ. Why then would we need a savior to save us from this earth if we float to heaven once we die? If you believe in the immortality of the soul, then you believe that when you die, you will immediately go to heaven. But if this were true, why would Jesus come to resurrect the dead from their graves if they were already in heaven? This false teaching deletes the need of the second coming. God wants us to be longing and excited for Jesus to come. All of heaven is eager for this climactic event. It was God's intent that the church in every age would long for his return. According to the Bible, our loved ones sleep in Jesus until then. Together with them, we will be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. So why is it today that many churches are spiritually dead? Why do so many churches lack spiritual power? They have lost the urgency of the second coming of Christ, the burning passion for Jesus to come. The Bible, our guide constantly points humanity towards our rescue from this sinful world to take us home to heaven. Now back to Babylon. It was also the center of sun worship. All sun worship came through varying pagan channels. Ezekiel eight sixteen 16, and this is an important text. So he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house. And there at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about 25 men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east. And they were worshiping the sun, S-U-N, towards the east. Here is a fascinating bit of history, which helps us understand the origin of Sunday worship. The Jews accepted the Babylonian idea that the soul was immortal. So they were praying to dead Tammuz. They were in the temple of the Lord's house, the Jewish temple, where they were supposed to be worshiping God. They literally turned around and faced the sun so that they would be facing the sunrise towards the east. These leaders were worshiping the sun. That's S-U-N instead of sun, S-O-N. This is a slap to the face of God. Sun worship slithered its way into the church. Babylonian religious practices united with Judaism. Then the worship of sun came into the Christian church. The Worship of Nature by James G. Fraser, volume one, page 529, says this. Quote, in ancient Babylonia, the sun was worshiped from immemorial antiquity. End quote. The sun was revered, considered holy. The sun was part of that worship system. This was Satan's attack early on in the Christian church. The history book, The Two Babylons, by Dr. Alexander Hislop, page 105, says this quote, To conciliate the pagans to nominal Christianity, Rome, pursuing its usual policy, took measures to get the Christian and pagan festivals to amalgamate and to get paganism and Christianity, now far sunk in idolatry, in this as in so many other things, to shake hands." End quote. So Christianity and paganism shook hands. Sunday became a vehicle to unite paganism and Christianity. Do you see what God is saying in Revelation 17? He's saying that many false doctrines would come into the church. He's warning that the great mother church drifted away from the truth of scripture. Now, here's probably the most incredible, amazing statement I've ever read by a Baptist author. Those of you that are Baptists will be interested in this as well. The author of the Baptist manual was Dr. Edward T. Hiscox, He made this interesting statement in 1893 to hundreds of Baptist ministers. He was explaining about how Sunday came into the church. Quote, What a pity that it, Sunday, comes branded with the mark of paganism and christened with the name of the sun god, then adopted and sanctioned by the papal apostasy and bequeathed as a sacred legacy to Protestantism. End quote. Now, that is a revealing statement by the author of the Baptist manual. He says, it's a pity that Sunday has come through the muddy waters of paganism, then into Catholicism, and then we Protestants have accepted it. Ezekiel the prophet would also say, what a pity, because God gave us the Sabbath as his sign. Ezekiel 20, verse 12. Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Teachings from ancient Babylon would sneak into the large mother church. Protestant churches would leave the mother church and God would raise up great men, the Protestant reformers, but they would retain errors from the mother church, like the immortality of the soul and Sunday worship. Many of them loved Jesus, of course, but we are living in the last days, friends, Truth is truth and must be followed. God is unlocking Bible prophecies to everyone. The Baptists, Catholics, Methodists, Episcopalians, Pentecostals, Evangelicals, everyone who loves Jesus and wants to follow His truth. You may be learning new things from God's Word. As you learn these new teachings, you identify it as truth. There is something in your heart that responds, this is truth. These are things I always wondered about, that I've have always troubled my mind, and now I've read them for myself. This makes me think of a married couple in Papua New Guinea, Helen and Simon. They were both Sunday church pastors that became increasingly uncomfortable with texts in the Bible about the Sabbath, and while Helen was preaching, she would intentionally skip over any text that referred to the Sabbath. One Sunday, while she was delivering her message at church, again, she had to avoid one of those texts. She knew right then and there, she needed to do a deeper study. On the way home, she and her husband prayed that if God would lead them to his truth, they would follow it. Friends, this prayer is a is a prayer that God will always answer. God revealed his truth to them in the fourth commandment. In response, they accepted the beautiful Seventh-day Sabbath. And now Helen and Simon are preparing to be baptized and join the Seventh-day Adventist Church. They, with their seven children, are so committed to sharing this truth that they have even torn down their own house to build a church on their property. Amazing. Now, in the days of Ezekiel, when error slipped in among the people of God, God cried out, as He would today, in Ezekiel 22:26, her priests have violated my law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished themselves between the holy and unholy, nor have they made known the differences between the unclean and the clean. And they have hidden their eyes from my Sabbath so that I am profaned among them. Daniel cried out that there would be a power today, and this is in Daniel 7:25 that this power would think to change times and laws. Friends, no earthly church has the authority to change God's law or change His word. There is no question that preachers need to get back to preaching from the Bible, God's truth, and flee Babylon, the harlot woman. Babylon's false teachings about God's character and government are His reason for calling His people out. God abhors these false systems of worship. They are doctrines of devils. However, God clearly loves his people who seek him sincerely. And even though they may be currently deceived, he wants them to leave Babylon and all its counterfeit teachings. Proverbs sixteen twenty-five: There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Ignorance is no excuse for error or sin. When there is every opportunity, friend, right now to know the will of God, he has given us his word that we may become acquainted with his teachings and know for ourselves what he requires of us. When the lawyer came to Jesus and asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? The Savior referred him to the scriptures saying, what is written in the law? It is not enough to have good intentions. It is not enough to do what you think is right or what the minister tells you is right. Your soul's salvation is at stake and you should search the scriptures for yourself. Because for every Bible truth, Satan has his popular counterfeit. So you need to know your Bible for yourself. Think of it this way if you smelled smoke coming from outside and you ran outside to see your neighbor's house is on fire, you would at the very least call out to them, fire, get out, run, wouldn't you? Friend, if your church teaches that God's 10 commandments are no longer binding, that God's moral law, which reflects his character, was somehow done away with and no longer applies to us now, Run. Run to the Bible. Jesus pleads in the New Testament, John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Friends, that's New Testament. If your church teaches Sunday sacredness, first day worship in the place of God's seventh day Sabbath, run. Run to the Bible. This change in God's law is fully admitted by the Catholic Church as their prerogative, not God's. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Malachi 3 6. And if your church teaches that you have a second chance to be saved after Jesus comes, run, friend. We have seen repeatedly in Scripture together that Jesus brings his reward at his second coming for each person. Jesus compares it to the time of Noah when the door of the ark was sealed shut. There is no second chance. Your opportunity is now. You are not guaranteed tomorrow, especially with our world in such a riotous uprise. Take care of what matters most, your salvation through Jesus. And friend, if your church teaches the secret rapture, run to the Bible. Together we have read that every eye shall see him coming in the clouds with the brightness of his angels, with a shout and loud trumpets. This is a noisy, brilliant, worldwide, climactic, momentous event. Jesus' second coming is anything but secret. If your church teaches eternal torment, with sinners burning now and forevermore, then run. Run to your Bible. We studied the scriptures and saw with our own eyes that hell is not burning somewhere. The fire will consume the wicked completely, and then it will go out Hellfire is eternal only in its effects not in its duration friend if your church teaches the immortality of the soul then you must run we all sin and come short of the glory of god the bible confirms that the soul that sins it shall die scripture clearly says the dead know not anything ecclesiastes 9 5 Only God has immortality right now. A big danger is this. A man reads the Bible and it says clearly to him that the wicked are turned to ashes and put out of existence in the fire of hell. But since he has been taught eternal torment by his church, he assumes it is true and surmises that he is unable to understand the plain word of scripture. So he abandons his Bible study, thinking it is too deep and complicated for him. The truth is that the truth is, is that he understood God's plain word correctly, but had been taught falsely. Matthew seven thirteen and 15. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. Remember, friends, there were only eight people who stepped into the ark in Noah's day and were saved. Only eight out of the world at that time. This text tells us it will not be the majority of people that will choose to be ready when Jesus comes. Matthew 7:15. Jesus warns us, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Yikes. Ezekiel twenty two twenty five, The conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured people. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. Friends, beware of false teachers. The teachings of men anchor people to falsehood and prevent them from looking for truth because they are certain that they already possess it. Jesus refused to accept tradition or the doctrines of men because such teachings undermine his truth. In Matthew 15, 3, six through nine it says, why do you also tra- transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? You have made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Hypocrites. That's a strong word coming from Jesus. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you saying these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. God never calls you out of something unless he is calling you into his something, his remnant, last day, Bible keeping movement. What does the church or movement look like? We will study the remnant tomorrow night. Jesus is beckoning, come back to me, my simple truth. If your desire is to not stay in a fallen church, Jesus will give you the courage and strength to come out of Babylon and to take a stand on Bible truth alone. Now you may be wondering, what about the people in my life who need to know this truth? Friend, you will be a much greater witness to your loved ones and friends by following the footsteps of Jesus more than you ever could be by staying in Babylon with them. How then could you warn others of the mark of the beast while you're worshiping on Sunday with them? It will be seen as hypocritical and be fruitless. Jesus openly said that he has precious sheep who are not yet in his fold, but when they hear his truth, calling them, they will choose his way. We are in this time frame now. We see the world crumbling, God's prophecies are coming true. Now is the time to listen and follow Him all the way. There is no more time left to sit indecisive on the Babylonian fence. When the testing time come, those who have made God's word their rule of life will be revealed. Just like in, in the summertime, there is no noticeable difference between evergreens and other trees. But when the blasts of winter come, the evergreen remains unchanged while other trees are stripped of their leaves. So the false-hearted professor may not now be distinguished from the real Christian, but the time is just upon us when the difference will be apparent. When persecution begins, the half-hearted and hypocritical will waver and give up the faith, but the true Christian will stand firm as a rock, his faith stronger his hope brighter than in the days of prosperity. Jeremiah 6, 16, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads, look and see, for ask for the old ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Some of you may be standing in the crossroads tonight. Will you come out of Babylon and choose God's way? Friend, would you like to anchor yourself to truth and know that He will continue to lead you into all truth? Pray with me, friends. Heavenly Father, I pray for a special awakening in every heart tonight. Lord, you hear those crying out, take my life and let it be yours. I give it all over to you. And when everything seems to be crashing down around us, everything we once knew, We know we're not alone because of you, Lord. We can remain calm and assured in your promises. You have always been faithful to us. Lord, help me run to your Bible for every answer. And with every step that I take, you are before me and behind me. And in every fear that I face, I know that I am safe under your wings. You are calling me out of confusion and into a freedom that only comes from you. You gave your life to give me mine. In you, I find my worth and my identity. I pray these things in all my heart. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Friend, is the Holy Spirit working on your heart right now? Are you thinking to yourself, I see it in the Bible, but how am I gonna live it? My friend, when you commit to truth, Jesus makes the way. Let us know that you have decided to put your trust in him by clicking the link. And thank you so much for watching Unlocking Bible Prophecies. Meet me back here tomorrow night to study God's description of his last day church so we can identify it from all the rest. Our topic is titled, The Remnant. Choose God's way. Good night, friends. Thank you for watching. If you want to learn more Bible truth, I invite you to subscribe below. Also, click here to watch one of my favorite videos. And click here, top left, to watch this series in full. God bless you.
2: I hope you have enjoyed listening to the end time prophetic events. Whether you've never before opened a Bible or have been studying it all your life, you'll gain new insights from this series. By looking at Revelation and Daniel as well as other books of the Bible, you'll find that the Bible itself clearly unlocks the mysteries of Bible prophecies. This will transform what may feel like a confusing book into something clear and understandable. If you want to learn more Bible truth or ask a bible question or perhaps find freedom healing and hope in Jesus please give us a call our whatsapp number is plus 1-240-222-0777. we are certain that you'll gain a deeper understanding of Jesus love for you and emerge with an even closer relationship with him for more information visit us on the web at bible Dot AWR.ORG dot or send us an email at Bible at AWR.ORG.
3: तू तोया तुम्हारी आशा हे तुम्हारी आशा हे मोरा chalo na tesu dayamon dishi to <laughs> mo She by the Pushantida Toya Road, they should not issue Toya
4: Praner tishu, 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 bole, daco. Oh i da Oh,